Hey, Zach. Hey, Steven. Picture this, Zach. Okay. It's mid-April in Wisconsin. Okay. You recently came back from spring break, and it snows mm-hmm. 13 inches. <laughs> oh, God. It I only... knew it had snowed. I didn't know. It didn't. Actually, only in, in Madison, it only snowed like three inches. But like an hour and a half north of here, it was 13. And mm-hmm. another half hour, 45 minutes from that, it was two feet. Oh, my gosh. So I just want to thank the municipal snow clearing services of Madison and make them my hidden treasure for this week. <laughs> Are they hidden because you don't notice them? It's hidden because, well, my initial criteria for this segment was something good about where I am that they didn't tell you about before you came here. Okay. And while I knew there were snow clearing services, they were it was not like advertised as like, hey, we'll clear your snow away from you if you come to Madison. I'm thinking it's also like a hidden in plain sight thing. Like how okay. spies dress up as homeless people, I've heard somewhere. Yeah. Because like you you wouldn't notice them then, and that's a good way to detail a building. I definitely so do notice thing. the homeless people. I, I definitely do. I don't think they're spies, but, but if one started following me, I would <laughs> definitely notice them, and I would assume they're a spy. All right. Yeah. Now you're warned. <laughs> So what I'm trying to say is that the snow removal services are also probably spies. Makes sense. All right. Mm -hmm. But they can Um, only gather intelligence when it snows. Like, it's a whole, like, it's like half the year that they just can't provide information to whoever's handling them. Well, so that's why it's nice in Sweden that uh, I'm pretty sure the same people who do snow removal also do snow removal removal. (laughs) What does that mean, Zach? (laughs) Uh, so in Sweden, they don't salt their pathways as much. I, I think there's still salt on pathways, but most of the time they put pebbles down. Okay. Because dark pebbles are going to collect energy and then melt the ice around them. And also they give you more attraction if you're walking or biking or whatever. Okay. So you're saying snowmore removal removal is picking up the pebbles? I mean, they don't manually pick them up or anything. They go around with a um, leaf blower. And blow them off all the pathways. And then also, it's visible to you that, uh, like, the amount of stuff they put on the pathway, and it doesn't just run off into the groundwater. I do appreciate that. Yeah. So, I I definitely was not expecting that. I didn't know how they were going to deal with it. I feel like usually in Wisconsin, they'd just wait until it rained, and then they'd be like, all right, well, it's out of out of our jurisdiction. We don't got to worry about it anymore. Well, yeah. But it's a government. <laughs> But here it was municipal services that ran around and leaf blowed and had like a little cool broom, like the thing they use to buff floors I... in buildings sometimes. Okay. <laughs> it was like a little cart that had a, a spinny broom on the front of it. Did the broom spin? Shoot. Okay. How do I? Uh, which the direction? broom was a circle. Yeah. But did it spin? The circle was the axis was parallel to the ground. So the the axis of the spinning was perpendicular? Yeah, through the middle of the circle. Why? Because it clears it off to the side of the walkway. Wouldn't it be easier to... I think the axis should be parallel and the circle should spin the other way. <laughs> to, like, push it off. 
and not like circle it off and fling it like one of those hot wheels I, I did you never have a, no. a hot wheels accelerator i had the little cars but i never had like the i mean i probably okay, made yeah. a ramp at some point but hot, hot wheels tracks had accelerators you could get that sped your car up and they were just two rubber wheels that turned and like grabbed your car and flung it out into the rest of the track okay so like now that, that we got that cleared up Uh, so another thing that Sweden has, along with pebbles on their walkways, is uh, Stockholm. <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, I went to Stockholm this weekend um, just to, to check out, experience the area. And um, while I was there, I knew that I needed some refills for my Lamy Safari. And I knew that there was a place that sold Safari products. So I went there. It was a mall. It was like all clad in white, I felt very out of place in my purple chinos and <laughs> button down from Target. Uh, but I ended up finding the place. It was in the basement that they had their pen store. And so I went in and I played with all of their very expensive pens. And then I walked up to the guy and said, hey, I need one box of black Lamy Safari refills. And he like pulled out his little tool chest of... <laughs> refills it was it was like a tackle box almost I okay think. nice nice um and i grabbed the the one that i needed and set it down and he just looked up at me he didn't start ringing me up or anything and he said and another pen right <laughs> and i said no i think i'm good I, i've got a pen i just need the refills and he was like oh but but you got the black ink you need to get a black pen it's definitely said, well, how it works. You can't have colored ink without having the same colored <laughs> pen. That's why demonstrators are so great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I said I was all right, and I've already got a black pen at home, so it should be fine. Just just ring me up. And he gets out from behind the desk and goes and pulls a black pen out of the little display thing they have and oh says, but you don't have this kind of black pen. And I'm looking at it like, yes, I do. I can go back home and open up my little thing. And there's a black Lamy Safari in there. And it looks just like that one. And I say something like that. Like, no, I'm pretty sure I've already got one. And he says, ah, no, you don't. This one's matte black. And then he pulls out another black pen that is actually black brown and holds them up next to each other. And I'm like, okay, but maybe the one that he's holding up now is just brown. And it's just that they make dark browns. And so it's the black that I own and then a dark brown. And he's like, it's the special edition. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Who would make a special edition that's just the color black? And he's kind of grinning. And I'm thinking, is this grin like, gee, kid, you don't get it? Or is it, we're both in on this same joke and... It's fine. I, I understand, but also I need to do this shtick. Or is he just grinning because he's having a good day? Who could tell? Um, Steven, that's who. I purchased my refills and left the building and asked Steven, hey, this guy was trying to swindle me into buying a new pen. Did Lammy ever make a matte black special edition? And I told him, yeah, that was the special edition this year was just black. And why i don't know zach they're a company and thought it would be good they're trying to like up the class on the safaris i guess <laughs> like like what could we do to make the safari line more classy more uh like wanted by people who want fancy pens and i have an idea let's make it nice and elegant and black <laughs> we already have a black pen make it blacker <laughs> I suppose. 
Yeah, it's not. I don't agree. I think it should be something different than that. But someone said it made sense, so I'm sure they have a reason. Mm-hmm. So let this be a, a warning to you, listeners. The the black pen that the guy tries to sell you is actually the special edition. I probably would have bought it if he had like brought out a petrol and been like, "Hey, you want the the petrol color, right?" I probably <laughs> would have caved. I don't know. I have a question about the fancy pens that you tried before asking for the refill. Okay. I don't have a question. I want you to tell me about them. <laughs> I remember very little about them. What I remember were they I actually wrote with the Lamy AL Star. Okay. Which is just the Safari, but metal, so it's kind of <laughs> cold. Uh, and there was, I don't know, probably a Pelican, I think. I'm really not sure. All right. I just picked up the pen that they had with a little writing thing. Sweet. The writing pad. So the motives behind Lamy's business decision to make the the special edition Safari black are entirely obtuse to me but as far as business decisions that are obtuse to steven um this the there's a conference called nab and steven has no idea what it means and i kind of want to know actually right now what what like the top contenders are uh national association of broadcasting uh new apple bananas i don't know (laughs) i can't think of more things so it's just one thing? Uh, oh, God. Because um, uh, you made it sound like you couldn't figure out what it was from Googling it, if it was just one thing. What do, what do you mean? I, I don't know what this is, is what I, I... I don't know. Zach just put NAB in the agenda, and I don't know what that means. Right, and if one thing came up when you searched NAB... I don't remember. That was a, like a week ago. Okay. Uh, it, okay, so the first thing is... Uh, NAB personal banking. Oh, really? Um, NAB the voice for America's radio and television broadcast. So that make that would make sense. National Australian Bank is next for me, and that's National Australian Bank all the way down. Wow, that is not what I have at all. Oh, there's good one. old Google. Um, National Accountability Bureau. Wow, um, it's um no, it's, it's so. <laughs> I feel like you need to cut a, a little bit of that out because it is National Association of Broadcasters. Yes, <laughs> you were. I was were right. right. <laughs> Sweet. I just figured that if you, it was like mid-April and you Googled NAB, those would be the top no. few results. There was only one. One result in the first three pages of Google for National Association of Broadcasting. The heck? <laughs> Apparently, I need to look into the National Australian Bank or something. <laughs> it's, Google knows you're interested. Yeah. So I have this, like, uncanny ability to remember a field or a hobby I was interested in uh, right when they're about to have a conference. (laughs) Like, I've been working with my camera and doing stuff, vlogging for a while now. And every once in a while, I will actually pay attention and tune in to the NAB show when all of the tripod manufacturers and a bunch of camera manufacturers and all kinds of stuff People who make lighting equipment, um, all all of the things that I convinced Cirrus to purchase came from NAB or from the NAB show, and so I just kind of remembered about it because I'm gonna be looking into a new tripod, 
like two days before the big yearly show occurred. And they came out with a whole bunch of new cool camera tech. And if you aren't interested in new cool camera tech, feel free to skip this bit. We have <laughs> chapters. Sometimes, apparently. <laughs> the heck iTunes. Literally every other podcast app it works in. It's just podcasts it doesn't? Apparently. Even though it's supposed to? Even though it's supposed to. And I haven't tried another show. Maybe it's just us, but I really don't think it's just us because we're doing everything right. Mm-hmm. Use Overcast. It's really good. And free. And not terrible like Apple Podcasts. It's really bad. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Okay. Go uh, use Overcast. Or A ringing endorsement from yeah. both of us. All right. Zach has definitely used Overcast at some point in his life. Sure. <laughs> okay. Keep going. <laughs> if you are down for new cool camera tech, listen on. So the biggest news was the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. Which is an upgraded model to a camera I got uh, three years ago now? Four years ago? Huh. A while ago. Um, That was one of the first cameras that Blackmagic came out with. Um, They came out with a cinema camera. And that was a nice, cool camera that did some unique things. It's um, It's got a really wide dynamic range, which just means that there's a lot of different colors and levels of light that it can capture when you hit the record button a lot more than most other cameras. And the appeal of the pocket cinema camera was, as the name suggests, it could fit into a pocket reasonably. I wouldn't recommend that because it cost $1,000, but it could. All right. So they took they took that camera. It had a few complaints. And so they took the camera and all of the complaints that people had about it and just fixed them. Whoa. So the new... Um, Blackmagic 4K pocket cinema camera it improves on the uh, hardware buttons. There were there was the record hardware button on the old camera, and now there are programmable. You can set the ISO and the white balance and stuff. Stephen, I'm relying on you to stop me when something needs to be translated into normal human words and not okay. Uh, NAB speak. I'm gonna say white balance is okay, but ISO is not. Uh, okay. Yeah, ISO is related to the brightness of the image in a particular way. If you bump up the ISO, the quality goes down. So usually you would change the ISO. Um, There's two things that can affect the brightness. It's the shutter, how open the shutter is Mm -hmm. on your camera, and then the ISO of the sensor itself. Oh, okay. I think that makes sense. Enough and to so, keep listening, at least. Well, when you change the shutter on your camera, it changes other aspects of the image, like the how much stuff you can focus on at once. Right. And so if you want to be able to focus on a limited amount of things, you want a very... Oh, God. I think you want a very uh, closed shutter. So then you need to turn the ISO up so that it looks like there's the same amount of light coming through. Okay. And that's the kind of stuff that you can just hit a button now and it automatically configures so that the light levels look good. Like on your smartphone, you mean? Or on the new camera? What do you mean? I mean, like, I have never once adjusted an ISO on any any camera I've ever used. So I assume it can do that all automatically. Mm Mm-hmm. And on the new camera, you might want it to stay the same. Sorry, on the new Blackmagic cinema camera, pocket cinema camera. It's a very long name to say. Um, 
you would want those to say stay the same if you hit record and then recorded a shot. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want the light levels to fluctuate a whole bunch. But you do want to be able to change them quickly when you're not recording. Makes sense. Um, the old one was also awkward to ha- hold, and it was a weird position. You had to like crook your whole hand around to hit the record button, and they fixed that. The interface was dumb, and you needed to use arrow keys to maneuver around it. And the new one is touchscreen to nice. meet up with all of their other cameras. Um, the last one also had really limited ports. The new one has USB-C and micro XLR. Yes, USB-C. Mm-hmm. And also better mics to improve on the miserable built-in audio that the original Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera has. Even on the old one, I can I can see why they made that decision to, like... I think the percentage of people who actually cared about the built-in audio mm-hmm. were small. It's a small percentage, and I think the people, the amount of people who like held the camera versus putting it on a tripod, it's just not that kind of camera, it seems right. like at least. So I can definitely see why they made those decisions, but mm-hmm. I'm glad they're fixed. Sounds cool. Yeah. Um, carrying on with the other NAB new things, uh, Ari, which is a camera company, just released a whole bunch of really nice looking cinema prime lenses that cost more than like my entire time at college, Will. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, I am so impressed with lens manufacturing mm-hmm. just in general, but wow, that's a lot of money. <laughs> um edelkrone is actually a company i've been following for quite a while because they make a lot of really cool like pocket-sized little table dollies so you can put your camera on it and wheel it around and it doesn't bump up and down as much or uh little pocket tripods and so now they're making a lot more computerized stuff so now they have a little table dolly but it's computerized so you can set it to go here and then over the course of an hour, move over here and do a time lapse. Nice. Uh, gimbals, the like a DJI Osmo <laughs> kind of thing. I so it are people improving those? I like even like three years ago, last time I looked into gimbals, they were like, as far as I was concerned, just entirely perfect. Mm -hmm. so the issue they were having with looking into gimbals is that you were looking into the gimbal and not into the camera screen because the arm of the gimbal would come around and entirely block your view of the camera oh so they've improved gimbal designs so now they're angled down with the arm so you can (laughs) see the camera while you're using the gimbal wow (laughs) how did how would i'm trying to envision that in my head what's the name of the product uh if you look up NAB B ampersand H uh, gimbal. Broadcastbeat.com. Oh, that's how they do it. Okay. Unobstructed view. Now available. Cool. Yeah. Um, Rode came out with a new microphone for 3D audio, or ambisonic, as they call it, because why not just use more... Yeah, so it's one microphone that plugs in with a special connector, and then you can remap the audio as you need it, because it's four different sensors, four different pickups, all pointed in the exact right angles that whatever software they have can figure out where a thing is in space, just based on the single microphone. I need that. Where is it? What's Uh, it called? NTSF1. 
Why did they got to have names like that? Because the company they purchased it from was NT, and it's the Soundfield One. Gotcha. Okay. How do I buy this? <laughs> I'm going to say you can't, so I make myself feel better. Probably. Let's go with that. <laughs> what What other things shouldn't I buy, Zach? Um, well, the last last thing that I have on my notes is not a thing that you shouldn't buy. It's a thing that you already have. Apple just announced ProRes RAW. Uh, which is like ProRes, which is a video format. So when you save your video, it saves to a particular format. And ProRes has been one of those formats. They had ProRes uh, HQ, ProRes 422, and those just define different levels of quality. And the new one is ProRes RAW, uh, which makes more allowances for things like dynamic range that I was talking about before with that Blackmagic camera. And it it's a larger file size, but it has a lot more information, mm-hmm. um, and it's still smaller than most other RAW formats. Nice. So, and that just like is just something that you have if you using Final yeah. Cut or whatever. Yeah. So it can be edited in Final Cut without transcoding, which what? is a big deal. Yeah. So usually, because RAW video is such a big and complex thing, you need to turn it into something else. For editing, just because you're yeah. you're working with it faster than it's supposed to be going. And so real-time editing without transcoding is a big deal. That's incredible. Any, like, non-video nerd listeners, just, I cannot stress the importance of not having to transcode video while you're editing it. It's, like, most of the time, like, personally, I, I don't know about you, Zach, but mm-hmm. the majority of my time editing a video is taken up by transcoding hmm. or it used to be when i actually did edit video for a while i have not even really tried on this laptop but oh yeah that'd be it was an old laptop with higher quality video than it was made for so mm-hmm. it's not even really made for video it was like you know and i'm sure faster computers can do it faster again i haven't even tried it on my 20 <laughs> what was it 16 macbook yep. pro so I'm sure it runs fine because everything runs fine on this thing and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have my own complaints about transcoding, but that's Adobe's fault. Because um, I usually just do my transcoding in batches for the vlogs. So I just get all of the month's footage and transcode it over to a better format right? and save it. And then when I go to edit it, it's in a nice format for working with in Premiere. So in conclusion, I no longer make money with video. That's a thing I, I used to do in the past, and I also used to help the school make purchasing decisions about video. Um, and now I do neither of those things, but it all looks so nice. And I know what all of the buzzwords are and what they all mean, even though <laughs> none of it applies to my current life. And all of the new stuff <laughs> how looks much, real good. How much like uh, dynamic rage do you really need for your vlogs kind of thing? Uh, the... The most recent one, the June vlog, was shot with the parts of it were shot with the Black Magic Pocket. The the sunrise. That's why the sunrise looks so pretty. Is that's all regraded after um, originally it was. Well, the thing is, Zach, even if you got raw. even if you bought some of these things, you like wouldn't be able to take them out of the the vault because <laughs> <laughs> they would need to be under like very good conditions other otherwise you would not feel comfortable using them i mean the edelkrone stuff i might 
I, I it's built to be used every day just in a place gimbals usually see that's what you think but then you're like okay i'm gonna put this gimbal in my in my backpack probably shouldn't put my water bottle in in there with it so now i either have to bring my water bottle or the gimbal okay how packed can i get my backpack before i start worrying about breaking the gimbal More, things like that how am i do i feel comfortable running across the street because the light's about to turn green again I mean, the same should be true of the camera that I'm carrying around with me. Well, I mean, like it or not, like it is not the one. It's not a black magic, right? Correct. Yeah. So just because you paid less for it, it has less value to you. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's just how it is. Mm -hmm. It's also that I have treated it poorly and it's been fine. That too. But are you going to take that risk on something that costs more than your tuition i'm not gonna buy an airy cinema lens ever steven i'm just saying like (laughs) and i know you're not because you wouldn't i don't think you would use it that often anyway right (laughs) but it looks so pretty yes it does and the specs are very good the numbers are pretty too i agree (laughs) (laughs) so zach Mm mm-hmm you are in the same landmass, sort of. You are modern. No, you're not. You're Sweden's like Sweet- Sweden's connected to Russia a little bit. There's yeah. a little bit where they invaded. Yeah. There are currently concerns in Sweden actually about um, about Russia invading. Like there are there have been pamphlets passed around in the past couple of years <laughs> of here's what to do if Russia invades. Go somewhere else, or are you gonna take up arms, Zach? I'm not going to take up arms. I've only got two. That's the proper amount of arms. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Zach is tangentially uh, in Russia. <laughs> yeah, I get You're closer to Russia than I am. Are you even? Right. Oh, yes. A little bit. Oh, yeah, because Russia's big. Russia's big. It goes like most of the hemisphere. I could take a train to Russia. Okay, yeah, I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Not until the land bridge comes back between alaska and russia or they just build a really long underwater train i suppose like the channel but more and for russia like that anyway so if you're using telegram zach you won't be able to do Mm -hmm. it in russia okay what's telegram telegram is a semi uh semi-popular encrypted messaging app okay it's based on the signal protocol uh, created by Open Whisper Systems, and Russia, being Russia, asked Telegram for its encryption keys so that it can read the messages and stuff. Telegram does it said, work like that? Like, could Telegram hand over encryption keys? Do um, they even have them to hand over? Is my question. They, they don't, or they shouldn't at least, but they could. So, if they. If someone forced them to, they could start making new, like new, any new messages mm-hmm. could be created with a fallback backdoor-ish thing. Okay. So they couldn't read old messages without the user's phone, mm-hmm. but they could if for any new messages if if telegram com- complied which they didn't they refused even after court orders and stuff mm-hmm. 
So Russia added their server to the banned IP address list that all the ISPs in Russia have to abide by. Okay. So you're Telegram now, and you're understandably upset because you seem to care about giving people access to private communication, and now you can't do that for all of Russia. Right. So what do you do? Use Cloudflare. You route your traffic through other services to get around the block. Isn't that what I said? Yes, it is. Okay. But what do you pick? Do you pick Cloudflare? No. No, that's too easy. You pick Amazon and Google Web Services. Oh, yeah, because you can't can't oh, block. Can't you? Oh, my gosh. Russia blocked 15.8 million IP addresses. <laughs> Just to stop Telegram from having service in Russia, that's like most of the internet is on Google and Amazon. Yeah, everything is AWS or... Yeah. So this is like trying to kill a fly with a bazooka. It's just <laughs> complete overkill and bad. And... I think they should just IP hop until Russia has banned every single IP. <laughs> Do you think we should let the Telegram route through the worrying bug server? Yes. They ask. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, but what about that all would our be the, Russian the listeners? That great Zach? tagline. The worrying bugs banned in Russia. <laughs> uh, what was this phrase you added to the agenda? Oh, it's beep beep, but with a whole bunch of Cyrillic characters. <laughs> okay. Because don't telegrams use Morse code? No. Telegram. Wait. Which one is the Morse code and which one is the paper? With words and stuff. Uh, is telegraph Morse code? Is telegraph or is it telegram? Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and there's telephone in there. Who knows what's going on? <laughs> no, not telegram messenger. Wikipedia. <laughs> Disambiguation. A transmission of written messages by signal, wire, or broadcast. Okay, so... So a subset of telegrams did use Morse code. Hmm. So I was sort of correct in writing beep beep with a whole bunch of Cyrillic characters. Just to be clear, Zach did not write beep beep in like a language. He wrote it so that it looked no. like the English beep beep, but in Russian characters. Correct. So Russia, along with attempting to get rid of encryption and dissidents, is also very interested in you know american politics that's one of their right. their interests if they were if russia was to make a dating profile <laughs> one of their interests would be uh american politics so they would be very interested to know what obama just said what was that zach you won't believe what obama said in this video 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 in the show notes i'm gonna send it to steven now oh no oh no Okay. So, Stephen, would you like to summarize the video you just watched? Yeah, so... Uploaded by BuzzFeed, might I add. Yeah. It was. It started off with something that looked like uh, former President Obama sitting in a White House-looking office wearing a suit. Mm -hmm. And he started saying uh, things that typically Obama wouldn't say in a public address. Right. Like, uh... Slandering is not the word. Belittling President Trump. Yep. Uh, and and not in like a politically correct kind of way. Not in like any kind of dignified way even. Mm -hmm. And then it reveals that it was really Jordan Peele 
saying it with some sort of computer-generated um, version of President Obama mm-hmm. being made to look and sound like it was him saying it, which right. is very cool. Almost, it was, it was freaky because, especially with my phone in monochrome, and like <laughs> I had just woken up when I first saw it pop up on Twitter, and I thought it was Obama for a, a good couple seconds. Uh, they didn't get the voice quite right, but yeah, it was very, very close. The image mm. was really good, and it yeah. just looked like a, a like a, a cell phone recording of Obama, or like a so, video that's been, been been through too much compression. Mm-hmm. And and the point they were making is that now that anybody who's a decent voice impersonator can do this kind of thing with enough computing power behind them. Yeah, you need to be wow. more careful of the information you were trusting. Um. But you don't even need Jordan Peele to pretend to be Obama. Do you remember something we talked about maybe half a year ago now? Yeah, I do. On the show? Um, Liarbird AI. Yeah. Are are they getting better? I haven't looked into them, but this definitely made me think of that. Yeah. I I thought that was what's going on, but I... I, It was hard to tell if they were using something like that or if it was just a good impersonation. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Impression? Impression. Yeah. Um. I guess both, but the thing I was <laughs> trying to get at was impression. Yeah. Um, they, but yeah, if those two technologies like get together and have a baby, they that's kind of scary. Yeah. Um. So Zach, what what are your tips for uh, avoiding this type of not avoiding, but uh, being able to detect this kind of deception? I am really not sure. Try harder. I, I've, I've been thinking that there are ways you can look and people who are more trained than I can like look at the vector patterns of an image and recognize that it was photoshopped because the light is different or the vector patterns. Meh. Vector patterns is not the word. I think it's the noise, actually, <laughs> the noise in the photo, because different cameras have different grain. And so if you take a picture with one grain and a picture with another grain, you can copy the thing and you can even blend it in to make it look pretty good. But if you make software that just analyzes the grain of a photo, Mm -hmm. then you can see where the edges are. Okay. Now, think about this, Zach. And listeners, Mm -hmm. you think about this too. BuzzFeed made this. Right. If someone with more time and more resources than BuzzFeed, which, for example, a state actor mm-hmm. made something like this, they could clean that kind of thing up. Yeah. They could make this completely indistinguishable as far as anyone besides a trained professional is concerned. Right. So, this is... To me, this means I'm right. We should just stop watching the news and just be happier. <laughs> No, no. This Zach, t- you can't. You, you can't trust anything anymore. Nothing. Zero. Okay, but the when you looked at that image or that video and you saw that it was sort of President Obama, your first instinct was to check who it was from, right? Yeah, but that's me, not everyone. And fair. I think if it came from like, so another thing that a uh, someone with more resources could do is. Make it look like it came from someone more reputable than BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. The underscore white underscore house. I mean, sure. <laughs> or a very good, like a President Obama YouTube account. I don't know. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like, or they could, 
uh, say that the the head of CNN is going to have a bad time if he doesn't publish this video. Yeah. What I'm saying is, four years ago, I would have said that that video being done by BuzzFeed would have been impossible. Mm-hmm. I would have said, in four years, no way, that can't be done. Yeah. But it's being done. So I am taking those assumptions and throwing them out the window. Okay. And so we're also assuming that... So in another four years, I think that it's going to be completely impossible to distinguish a fake from a real video of someone doing something. So do you think then just humanity is adrift in the winds of time and screw it in the next four years, facts will be lies and lies will be facts and we should rip up and burn all of our books and not trust anything? Okay, no except for that last part. Don't trust anything. Figure it out for yourself if you want to know something. From where? I don't know. Experimentation. Do whatever you gotta do. Oh yeah, I'll just use the experimental method to find out what the president said. Does it matter that much? What our nation's foreign policy is? Well, if they don't know either. They would, though. Because Obama knows that he didn't say that. But are the people executing it? Know what Obama said? Know what Trump said? Know what whoever is going to be president in four years said? What do you mean? Like, how are, like embassies overseas going to distinguish a message from the president from a message from some guy in his basement rsa pgp yeah zach encryption (laughs) the only way forward okay yeah so that's actually the next thing i was gonna say is i'm glad we were converging on this this space from two very diverging opinions um what do you think about a decentralized digital identity system hmm Usually it gets thrown around with the word blockchain, but we don't have to incorporate that if we don't want to. No, no, not blockchain. Not a good idea. It's not that kind of system. It doesn't really even need to be decentralized if you can guarantee the... Who's in charge of it then? No, I mean, like, it doesn't need to be decentralized if you can guarantee the security of the information. That's not what I mean, though. It's, uh... Basically, when you upload your whatever key to the to the centralized thing, you would sign it mm-hmm. with a date or whatever. And if you could do that with some amount with the see, the, here's the issue. Okay. Because no matter what system it is, whether it's decentralized or not, there's going to be one issue, and it's going to be that computers are getting faster, a lot faster, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And the whatever system we set up is going to have a lowest common denominator of encryption, of encryption schemes, encryption algorithms, key sizes, even. Okay, yeah, so, so somebody in Bengali with just an iPhone yeah, and convincing can verify their identity. To upgrade her encryption scheme is going to be just enormously difficult because I can't get anyone in my life to use a PGP key in email. That includes you. <laughs> I have a PGP key. Yeah, but you don't send me emails. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, Does grandma's identity need to be verified, though? Yes. What's your grandma doing that someone's going to falsify? Anything. It doesn't matter. It's data security anyway. It's the same principle. It's right. just it's on a lower scale. Everyone can, but not everyone has to, I don't think. Okay, well, I'm also not going to rely on the government to keep up with the latest tech. 
Correct. Okay. Yeah. As it stands right now, mm-hmm. with current computing power as it is, and as far as we know, just based on our estimates of what the largest computers, data centers, whatever can do, we it would take a enormously long amount of time to break an RSA. Uh, is it four four forty eight? That's not right. Um, ten forty eight. No, the four thousand one. Oh yeah, uh, forty eighty four. Yeah, forty eighty four. To break an RSA forty eighty four key would, as it stands right now, the heat generated would evaporate the oceans. Okay, that's right now though. Mm-hmm. And computers are so fast, and they're advancing faster and faster. And I, it's hard to imagine a time where we have. An encryption scheme that i mean like as we know it right now the the main issue uh not issue the good thing about it is that we can just upgrade it we can just add another zero onto the number of digits okay and that's good but we have to make everyone do that we can't just we can't do what we do right now with http and tls like people are complaining about TLS 1.0 getting removed, and that was a th- that was implemented like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we need to start teaching data security practices to people. I think that like shortly after elementary school kids learn how to brush their teeth properly, mm-hmm. they should be taught that you can't trust people unless you have unless they are being they're verified by this encryption thing whatever we decide to implement it's i thought you were gonna say how to make good passwords that too it's just it's a (laughs) it's an actual problem yeah like i think more so than any like fake news russian bot thing because at this point they're still detectable Mm -hmm. so if someone wants to tell someone else something in the fairly near future we need a way to verify that i agree all right how are we gonna how are we gonna sign our podcast is there a way to do that yes there is (laughs) do we do that we don't do that (laughs) okay so okay so we have one issue which is that we're using the internet Okay. So the best we can do without spending an enormous amount of money is HTTPS. So Mm -hmm. what if someone gets into our server or are we just screwed? If someone gets into our server, we're screwed anyway. Okay. Unless we're storing. Okay. No, no. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Here we go. So tweet the MD5 hashes of the audio files. MD5. Are you kidding me, Zach? MD5 is easy. MD5 has a collision. You can make a collision out of anything. Okay, then not MD5. SHA-256 at the minimum. Okay. I don't know if my little auto hasher tool that I have on Explorer does that. Let's see. You should have it in your... uh, If you have OpenSSL installed on your system. Do I? I mean, you should at least. Yeah, but... Okay, here we go. Let me see. Properties... File hashes. Oh, yep. SHA-256. Here we go. Does it have 512? No. Okay. But I think I can turn that on. Anyway. Yeah, I can turn that on. Uh, What I was getting at, the the way we're going to do it is store the 
Okay, so we're we're gonna store our private key. Oh shoot, no, that won't work. Okay, here's the idea. So maybe you can help me out in trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. So I'll store my uh, our the worrying bugs encryption key the the private key on my laptop. It's completely local, never connects to the internet. Okay, and and then the thing that the private key does just to rehash is because... to help sign whatever file we upload. Okay. And when I mean sign, I mean put a, upload a signature to the show notes. Okay. And that signature will do a few things. It will verify that the audio hasn't been tampered with and that it is being released by the worrying bugs or whoever has the, the private key of the worrying bugs. And the listener would verify that by checking our private key now or our public key. Now, here's where I am a little lost how where do you put the public key because if someone gets into our server what they can't do is say this is this is a actual episode of the worrying bugs it was actually zach and steven because they don't have the private key to sign it but they need Mm -hmm. to verify the listeners need to verify it against a public key Mm -hmm. which if they had access to the server they could just change aren't there ways to sign a public key I learned about that from a Cordy Doctorow book, so I'm not even sure it's real. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like key signing is a thing, which is other people saying, yes, I have actually interacted with the worrying bugs. This is their key for sure. Oh, okay. So then if you put it somewhere, it also has your grandma and your grandpa and... So they would need uh, to... Okay, so listeners would need to verify first with that key our our key and then with my grandma's key and then with someone else signing uh, for yeah, her yeah i think i think the there back. are ways that it's done that it, it isn't so much <laughs> looking around i don't know how it works steven you're the crypto guy on this show i've never heard of that but that's how we would do it we would upload a, a signature to the show notes okay so one thing Overcast doesn't do, which we need to <laughs> hound the developer for now, is it doesn't check against Come on, the Marco. signature. <laughs> I'm going to write into ATP and say, Send him. my podcast does this every week and we and the com- listeners are just confused because there's a file in the show notes. So please, <laughs> please integrate this. Send them the, the BuzzFeed video too. You gotta- yeah, right. <laughs> I will do this. I will I will put the signature in the show notes. Good. I got to figure out how to do that, but yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs, brought to you by another water tracker. Do you ever look at your empty glass and wonder if it's already been tracked? If that happens to you, a good tip is to flip the glass upside down once you track it. This has been a PSA from the Worrying Bugs, brought to you by another water tracker. Fake news. (laughs) This is not brought to you by another water tracker. I did not know about this, and I am the sole developer. Here's my signature. (laughs) Zach, you need to cryptographically verify that, and you can't, so I don't trust any news that isn't cryptographically verified. (laughs) <laughs> I can't do encryption, but I can rub my fingers on my lips. So it's the digital signal is scrambled. You know, I could actually do that in Audacity if you just like talk normally. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Sp-
spring is in full swing here, and I am feeling so much more just generally good and also very goofy. So, <laughs> so Stephen, as the sole developer of another water tracker, do you sign off on that? Uh, what's it? Oh, okay. So I understand how it works. I think so. It's you, when uh, I'm sitting at my desk. Okay, I drink water. And sometimes I reach over and the glass is empty and I look at the glass and I look at my phone and I can't remember if I added it the second that I drained the glass. Can't you just like look at the time that you tracked your last water and Yes, but did I do that 20 minutes ago? Did I do that 40 minutes ago? I don't have a great internal sense of time. Sounds like a you problem. Correct. And I'm solving my me problem with a me solution (laughs) of... Once I hit the track water button, I flip the cup upside down. All right. Because that's a thing that doesn't happen unless the cup is already empty, and I've deliberately chosen to flip the cup upside down. But, like, isn't there just a tiny bit of water still left in the cup, and when you flip it over, it all comes to the bottom, and you have a sad desk? No, I make sure that there is not. Okay, now you also have to carry around. Oh my god, Zach. Yeah? So, you know that... I assume everyone knows about this because I found out about it. And if it reaches <laughs> me, then everyone should know about it. it the uh, the hand dryer thing. That they, there's a, they send out a bunch of germs. Yeah. So like they did a study that wasn't funded by hand dryer companies mm-hmm. for once. And it turns out that those hand dryers aren't filtered. So they just suck in and blow out fecal matter like everywhere. And Where did you hear about that? Well, I heard about it on Do by Friday, and then I looked it up for myself. Okay. And today, I saw someone brushing their teeth, and then they dried their toothbrush with the hand dryer. Oh, no. And I was like, no, don't do that. Oh, That's, no. That goes in your mouth, then. That goes in your mouth, and it's covered in fecal matter. Oh, no. But, like, they basically said, like, using the hand dryers is almost as bad as not washing your hands. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous. That's awful and disgusting. And I am never using a restroom again. <laughs> or at least just not washing your hands when you do. That that, that can't be better. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll just not dry my hands and just wipe them on my pants. Your pants are dirty, Steven. Yeah, but like, they can't be as dirty as the air in the bathroom. They were just in the air in the bathroom. They didn't have like, they weren't blown up you're right they weren't concentrating yeah the... they were just they were as in the bathroom as my mouth and nose were so it can't be that much worse all right where did this start uh well i was thinking about drying cups and then i was thinking how would you do that here considering we don't have like paper towel dispensers oh you'd put it in the hand dryer oh no don't do that or you just tip the glass all the way upside down into your mouth and the last little bead of water runs out There's always more beads. Water is never truly out of your cup. (laughs) Speaking of things that there are always more of. Podcasts. There are always more podcasts. Every day. New podcasts. But there's a problem, Zach. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is that you can't find any of them. Yeah, the internet's not good at discoverability. No. Especially not like uh, the major podcast search things like iTunes. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they give you, like, the top results, the ones that are popular already. Right. So what do you do about that? How do you solve that problem? Well... Do you just go into the street screaming, please tell me about your podcast? 
you don't do I that. I want to try that now. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, please record it. Um, <laughs> so the water tracker ran out of bugs to fix, as far as I am aware. If you have some, please tell me I'm bored. <laughs> um, so I started a new side project, which is the Random Podcast Finder app. Mm-hmm. It has a big list of words, hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of words. And okay. it searches iTunes for one of those words, takes the results, finds a random a random podcast in that list, mm-hmm. and shows you it. That sounds great, Stephen. Almost like there would be no downsides. I've just got a bunch of new podcasts now to listen to. I'm not saying they're great, all of them. <laughs> but some of them actually are. But uh, here, and But there are a lot of podcasts that I found that I just would never have found if I was searching iTunes or browsing iTunes. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, hold on. Does the... it show you what query brought that result? No, it doesn't. I'd be interested to know that. I'll think about it. Okay. It tells you the name, the the author, I guess. I don't know what to call that. Artist. The artist. Creator. The creator. And the genre. Mm-hmm. So I found... I found the Commonwealth Club of California's podcast. What's that about? No idea. Uh, with Relish, an Irish culinary podcast. <laughs> Screen printing with paper stencils. Cool. This Birding Life by Birdwatcher's Digest. Okay. Exploring sedimentary processes for iPod slash iPhone. <laughs> Is that like a, a series? Yeah, it's a science podcast about sedimentary rock. Cool. <laughs> Uh, the Snorting Bull pod, uh, podcast, a baseball card podcast. Okay. Living Homegrown podcast with uh, Theresa Lowe. Um, so if- I've noticed something, Zach, which is mm-hmm. the longer the artist name is, the less credible they are. I'm not sure if you can see that, but that second row, I'm going to read it out loud. So, oh, Canning- that's her name. That's not a description. Yeah. <laughs> Canning expert and PBS TV producer, Theresa Lowe, canning, fermenting, small space gardening, and homesteading tips, plus interviews with DI food experts. And that's her name. That's supposed to be her name. (laughs) Uh, Also, uh, in a similar vein. You just got to read it out, Stephen. Yeah, I know, but I want you to just appreciate this. Yeah, Uh, it's like four lines of text. Selling online today, inspiring chats with successful multi-channel sellers. Uh, Patrick Con Conlon Conlon Cone Con whatever Patrick Conlon, <laughs> multi-channel e-commerce specialist, chatting to business owners who successfully sell online, uh, including one who appeared on Dragon's Den one an entire one, Ooh. interviewing businesses that sell on Amazon, eBay dot 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 because iTunes doesn't carry that much information <laughs> in your name. In, that's supposed to be your name, uh, Rad Ish. It's someone's name or a podcast? It's a podcast. Rad-ish. So have you listened to any of these? Uh, We're not done yet. Okay. Uh, Stay committed! Exclamation point. Introduction. Introduction. Mm. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, I need a designer. The cover art. Typographist. The cover art says, stay committed. Or it's stay, next line, committed, next line, introduction, without the N. And then the N on the next line. <laughs> um, Skin. It's an abbreviation. So is that one of like a monogamy podcast, Stephen? 
I have no uh, business is as oh yeah I didn't listen to most of these uh art of visuals a podcast (laughs) (laughs) they make video podcasts those exist maybe uh tamale mafia is it a food what's the genre it doesn't have one it's just uncategorized (laughs) okay i've got to know his name is aaron some people call him adl others call him aaron yes he's seen the video tamale mafia is his term for family (laughs) and as a listener of the podcast you are part of his family uh they're an hour apiece uh and the the categories according to player.fm we've got fitness society health and well-being comedy adventure culture family friendship funny happy health heritage kids lifestyle rambling religion story so uncategorized explicit um there was one more i found and this was one of the first ones i found actually that i took note of and it was the pig improvement podcast And I actually listened to an episode of this one. I sat through a half hour of this <laughs> and took some notes. Uh, uh-huh. So generally, it takes 1,500 gallons of water per pound of meat. Okay. And demand for meat is going up a lot. Huh. But And if we don't improve the way that we make meat, things are going to get bad. And this right. applies to beef more than pork because cows are bigger and they mm-hmm. need more water. And resources in general. Yeah. Only 3 to 5% of Americans are vegetarians. And there's no particular health reason to eat meat. There's only protein, obviously, but you can get that in other places. And Wait, and this is in the Improving Your Pigs podcast? Yes. But the thing about meat is that people really like meat. And they don't want right. to be vegetarians. I'm with you there. And another reason or and a reason that is is that there's a positive correlation between con- a country's gdp and how much meat they consume uh, meat is more expensive so it's a status symbol mm-hmm. and this guy is telling us about starts telling us about this technology that he helps create that can replicate a single cell ten, 10 to the 14 times which is about a thousand ten thousand kilograms of meat so it's just like lab-grown pork? Yeah, lab-grown. I think they used beef in this one, but yeah. It's the Pig Improvement Podcast, Zach. Uh, the the issue, like, he's he went through the process of creating it, and he made the cells, but they didn't actually contain any protein because the... They weren't fed any protein. Yeah, they didn't have any... The, they need to work, basically. Yeah. So he made them into a donut shape. So that they would pull on themselves and tense up <laughs> okay. and they would contain more protein. And in three weeks, he got a one millimeter muscle fiber. Okay. And if you just had 10,000 more, you could have a whole hamburger, which right. is, isn't that like far off. He was saying uh, it was and he took it to like a show or something about meat and the judges were very nice but they did give him some criticism. It was a very dry hamburger because there were no fat cells mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. So he start, starts working on that. And basically he, this process uses stem cells. Yeah. And he was, and I, I kind of, there was a lot in there that I just did not care about at all. I'm ta- giving you guys just the highlights. Mm-hmm. But this part, this part was super interesting because the stem cells don't need to come from cows and pigs. They also don't need to come from the same animal. You could get a hamburger from two different animals you can get a muscle fiber from two different animals so you can make a jackalope stew zach 
<laughs> a real one. You could combine rabbit and antelope. Uh, Couldn't you just combine rabbit and antelope meat today? Yeah, but it wouldn't be a jackalope, Zach. It, it would just be rabbit and antelope. All right. It wouldn't be. Yeah, I suppose. Jackalope. Uh, right now, it's about sixty-five dollars per per kilogram of synthetic meat, like that, it's, which is not the worst. No, it's not terrible for. But I am making a statement with the meat that I buy. Yeah, and I think in the in just a like couple of years, we're gonna be it's gonna be down to a much more mm. reasonable price. Is fake not not even fake pig meat, but uh, lab grown pig meat gonna be our next beat? Jackalope meat. We're the Milk and Jackalope Meat Podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't think it'll taste very good, Jackalope Meat, but <laughs> maybe. I have a question for you, Zach. Okay. And I'm not going to put this in the show notes because it's an uh, OPSEC issue, but so I'm going to put in the Slack. All right. And I'm wondering, uh, am I going to get sued? The heck? Ah. I'm really, really proud of this icon. I thought it was very, very clever. Yeah. We can't, you gotta cut this part out. We can't have the, does it look all right if you turn it upside down? I haven't tried it yet, but I think like, upside just, down, it's different enough. I think so too, but it's so clever out as it is. Yeah, it's really clever. It's good. You might need to see what it looks like upside down. Okay. Okay. So just for the listeners, I took the, the Apple podcast app. And I replaced the the dude inside the circles, or the antenna, if that's what it's supposed to be. I think it's a person it's supposed to be, at least. Yeah. But it looks like an upside-down exclamation point. Mm-hmm. So for the random podcast finder, I changed it into a question mark. Mm-hmm. If you can imagine that in your head, I can't show you right now. So, Zach, what's your verdict? Am I going to get sued? Because you're my legal counselor. Um, that's a lot of pressure to put on me. I don't think you'd get sued. You might get kicked from the app store for being too similar. I think if you turned it upside down, they would have less grounds for that. All right. But it won't look nearly as funny upside down. You're right. Nearly as clever, I should say. All right. I'll do that. It's disappointing. I it agree. is. All right. Uh, I don't think you'd at? get sued. Try it with what you have now. But, like, there are repercussions. Like, I could lose my developer account if they thought it was necessary. To... All right, yeah. Like, I don't think I will, but I, what do I know? I'm mm-hmm. just some 19-year-old making apps. So sometimes, if you got a random podcast... For example, if you uh, your your random words that came up were startup, uh, you might get uh, a still a pretty big podcast from a pretty well known company, Gimlet. Not necessarily, because it does take it from a list. Okay, but you might. There is a chance. Yes, you might get the startup podcast from Gimlet, which is relevant again in today's world because. Uh, they made a TV show out of it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Are you subscribed to the startup feed or did you? I am not. I listened to the first season, thought it was interesting, but then they started talking about things that were not the Gimlet story Mm -hmm. and I lost interest. You might want to go back in and get the last few because they re-aired the important ones from the Gimlet story and then they talked again like 
where are we now from okay. five years ago or whenever they did that. And they did that because of this TV show that they made, uh, Alex Inc. It's starring Zach Braff. And it's basically just the story of startup, but told more comedically, hmm. uh, a little a little more whitewashed for the American audience, I suppose. And I, I, I like it quite a lot. It's good. It's funny. It's about podcasts. And it's on Hulu. You know, your TV show's about podcasting. This is what media is now. I think it's really cool. All right. No, I believe you. It's just a funny thought. Yeah. Speaking of uh, mediums talking about other mediums, we're going to launch into our book club pretty soon. Speaking of mediums talking about other mediums, I asked my psychic about my other psychic. What did she say? Uh, She said the other psychic was reading the tarot cards upside down. So everything that they said, but the negation of it. Is that how tarot cards work? Sure. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Uh, We are reading Surely You Must Be Joking, Mr. Feynman, uh, up to page 303, or the start of Alfred Noble's Other Mistake. If you aren't reading along with us and don't want to hear what we have to say about a book you aren't reading, you can find me on Twitter. You can tell me uh, some other things that President, former President Obama ostensibly said, and that's at the puns guy on Twitter. And you can find me at NotStevenBerry. Tell me all about your encryption schemes that will make news more credible. And now on to the book club. To start with, I was very glad for a mere five seconds, Dick could think with something other than his dick signing up for classes. The, unfortunately, though, he still signed up for the wrong class. Right, but I think it's an achievement. <laughs> See, we're seeing growth already. <laughs> <laughs> Three quarters of the way through the book. We're seeing growth. Um, when he's in Brazil and he's like, no science is being taught in Brazil. I mm-hmm. was just thinking like how upset I would be if someone told me that like my education is basically worthless. Because mm-hmm. like I'm working hard for this thing. And I think if you know the equations for physics, you can sit with Richard Feynman and do one semester of here's how you start relating this stuff to the real world and it'll go faster and you don't need to do a whole bunch of equation review that you usually need to do in other physics classes. So I don't think they're as lost as maybe he said, but I think it's important to have the skills that he said it's important to have. So you think like... An introductory physics course would be okay for just the equations. Like, what do you mean? Like, uh, like uh, I have to take a certain amount of gen eds, right? Mm-hmm. Some of that is physics. Now, yeah. if I don't plan to do anything in physics, I don't have to do more than just my gen eds. Correct. Do you think it's good enough for those introductory physics courses to just be memorizing equations? No. But I think if you spent four years memorizing equations... Somebody can catch you up to how to think if you put in the effort to be caught up. Okay. I don't think that's the way to go about it from the start, but I think it's salvageable. Okay. As far as speaking another language, cognates are a blessing, and I will hear no dissenters. <laughs> Agreed. There's um, My Swedish teacher calls them international words, 
Mm. Like station. It's not that. It's not international. Well, but station, it sounds like from what he says in Portuguese is station. Right. And in Swedish, it's station. I, I don't know what it is in Latin, but I assume it's something similar since it is in Portuguese. And, and, and I agree with that, but it's not international. It's just European. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there are very few cognates between Japanese and English. <laughs> like It's just, you know. Yeah. As far as that, that instrument, the Frigidaire, Frigid, Frigidaire, did you actually look up what it sounds like? No. No, I, I think you should insert for the listeners like 10 seconds of some group Frigidiera playing. Okay. Because it does just sound like somebody hitting a pan with a stick, <laughs> but it also sounds good. And then for what Feynman says about how uh, nobody understands or nobody there understands what triboluminescence actually means. Did you ever do triboluminescence experiments? Probably you not. crush something sugary and it makes light? No, not done that. Okay, because I actually did a few with, uh, I think when I was in Boy Scouts, we did triboluminescence experiments. So you go into a dark room, let your eyes adjust for a little bit, and get some mint lifesavers. And if you put the, like a dry lifesaver into your mouth and crunch down really hard, there will be a little spark of blue light. Huh. I think it'd be easier just to hit it with a hammer and not put it in your mouth if you want to see the light. I mean, it's already a lifesaver. Yeah, but like, then you have to like try Keep to look at... your lips open? It doesn't sound very scientific is all I'm saying. Experiment was a very, very loose way to phrase it. <laughs> What is this chapter? I don't know. I have no clue. They were going to, like, try to trick him or something? Is Mm -hmm. that, like, or to make fun of him for trying to know languages? Uh, Well, I think they were just going to try and knock him down a peg and be like, okay, you actually, you walk around being like, oh, well, I know languages. I'm all good. But you aren't all that good just because you know languages. See, you don't know this language. Was that actually Cantonese? I have no clue. The way that he phrased it, maybe he entirely understood her. Maybe he just tried to repeat it and fail. That's That was my impression, that he tried to repeat it and failed. Because but... he said, I thought I would respond in kind. Yeah, and then she interpreted that as he understood me in Mandarin and then repeated and then greeted me in Cantonese just to prove that he was better, even though I don't speak Cantonese. So... But I feel like uh, it's very strange. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Then an offer you must refuse. Yeah. uh, This whole thing. I couldn't tell. Okay. So he does like the bidding war between the universities, right? Mm -hmm. And then Chicago swoops in and says, I'll pay you four times as much. Yeah. And then he says something about like, he wouldn't be able to resist some temptations if he had that Mm -hmm. much money. And he can't accept the offer, and I can't tell if he's being facetious or not. I can't either. Because it does sound like fi- a Feynman thing to do, which is like, uh, have too much money and then spend it on... Mistresses. And... Mist- yeah. <laughs> but also, it is also a very Feynman thing to do to make up a story like that just to mess with Chicago. Yeah. Guess we'll never know. Yeah. 
he he was talking about um, he wanted to stay at Caltech because somebody ran up to him and said, hey, I just figured out that bats listen to things instead of seeing things. (laughs) And it's so weird because I just accept that echolocation is a thing. It's just a fact. Yeah, right. That has always been and we've always known just obviously bats echolocate. But that was after World War II that we figured that out. It's weird, so isn't what, it? what is that now? What's the thing that um, our kids will just accept as fact and we'll be like, oh my God, really? People can impersonate former President Obama with, <laughs> uh, with a Only laptop. Only former President Obama. Well, I mean, it's actually been mathematically proven. Former President Obama is the only one who can be impersonated. It's a lot easier because he has so much many hours on television that you can get a lot right. of videos yeah. together. I think it's that dinosaurs have feathers because when we were like five and in our dinosaur phase, dinosaurs did not have feathers. They were scales and stuff. You're right. All right. Um, But are they teaching kids that or are they just going to keep lying to them? Yeah, because I think they like officially killed the whatever the the long neck one that doesn't actually exist. It's just the baby of the other one. Brontosaurus or Stegosaurus or something. Mm -hmm. They stopped teaching about that because it doesn't exist. Never did. Yeah, but like... None of the I dinosaurs told, exist. <laughs> I was told They're that blood dead. is blue before it hits the oxygen. In school? Yes, by a teacher. Oh, no. It's not. Blood is always red. Right, yeah, it's just there's like a... Your veins are blue. Yeah. Because that's the color they are. The things inside of them, they're not transparent. Your veins are not transparent. <laughs> They might be semi-transparent, and that's why they look purple mm-hmm. sometimes. But your veins are blue, your blood is red, it's always red. Unless something is very, very wrong. And don't give me that, like, I bleed green and yellow for the Packers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you bleed red just like everybody else. Calm down. Okay. I also just heard on a podcast right before we started this one that um, apparently like the myth of repaying your sleep debt the okay so i was told at some point mm-hmm. uh, uh, that you can't repay your sleep debt because once you lose that sleep it's gone forever which okay is not my experience but okay what what's what is it supposed to be so the thing that i was told was actually very different from that which is teenagers carry their sleep debt around with them like a bag of bricks and sometimes on the weekends they can get rid of a few of those bricks but most of the time they're carrying around that bag of bricks. Um, But I'm pretty sure what it actually is, is just your body, once you get a regular sleep schedule, starts regulating itself, whether you've been sleeping poorly in the past or not. So the, like, I think what I, the thing you mean is like sleeping 11 hours won't make you, what doesn't make up for the, you know, the five hours that you slept last night. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, because it i mean what's best is to just sleep eight run, hours yes, it does not every day yeah and that's true we're good the latest research points to that yes great perfect my life is not a lie yet <laughs> yeah i don't know they didn't digitally sign their their yeah. podcast so <laughs> um do you understand what the diarac equation is no is it important that i do i don't think so but i wish i did because i think it would make at least some of this more comprehensible oh i don't think it was incomprehensible because of the equation at least 
What was the point he was trying to make with the equation? I don't. Um, shoot, I forgot what it was. It was, um... Well, okay, well, he starts off by, like, experiencing Japan by going to a Japanese-style hotel. Mm-hmm. And then relate... He... He puts the quote from the 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 woman who spoke English uh, when he's in the hotel. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, this is a quote. Um... I wasn't in there more than 15 or 20 minutes when something caught my eye. I looked up out towards the garden and I saw sitting at the entrance to the door, draped in the corner, a very beautiful young Japanese woman in in a most lovely outfit. I had read a lot about the customs of Japan and I had the idea of why she was sent to my room. I thought, this might be very interesting. She knew a little English. Would you like to see my garden? I don't know how I feel about putting the accent in the quotes like that i literally shouted at the book when he did that yeah okay and he's done it before and i didn't shout at it before so a i was just in a mood today b i think there's already a lot of uh history with japanese and generally asian accents mm-hmm. and heightening them for the sake of humor yeah that that one sets me off more than like when he would put a german accent mm-hmm. i i yeah, because that's something else I I've seen it before in other books, like uh, in Looking for Alaska. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, or like a French accent, it is, and, and like that is the accent, but we uh, because of the history of making fun of it, it's offensive. Mm-hmm. And maybe it wasn't so at the time, but it mm-hmm. is now, and I didn't like it. But it, it was I did notice that in myself that it felt like a different thing than a German accent. Yeah. Or any, like, most other accents, really. Yeah. I really wish that this book was chronological. A lot of it just feels like there was no editor. Nobody was like, wow, you talk about this thing with Brazil, and then you have eight chapters, and then you talk about this other thing right after Brazil. Maybe put them next to each other. Oh, here's a sentence that takes up eight lines, and you never have a period. Please don't do that. That part needs work, but I think the nature of a memoir is not really chronological necessarily it Mm -hmm. could be but i think if the author feels it tells the story better if it's not because Feynman's not talking about really how he grew up a little bit in the beginning but it's mostly about his adult life yeah and for most people that's all one big clump of life okay and i mean he did put the beginning the when he was a kid and when he was in college Mm -hmm. all at the beginning I I get confused when he's talking about like oh when I was with my wife and it was this wife at this yeah, time or that is a little bit I was confusing dating her and that the last chapter you were with Mary Lou or whatever it was mm-hmm. and now you're with uh, Guinevere is that her name I don't probably remember. not which I guess is at worst confusing and not horrific but yeah I just oh no it wasn't the direct equation that I wish I had more information about that was interesting too but it was not what I was thinking about. What were you thinking about? Uh, the seven percent solution that went not okay. in that chapter. But do you have any notes for direct? I wish it was chronological. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was about the laws of beta decay, which I don't uh-huh. know anything about. And yeah, no. You were talking about like S and T and V and A, and it just didn't like. It didn't make sense what he was doing. I couldn't mm-hmm. relate to it. My my full comprehension of that subject comes from Seven Eves. <laughs> like that's 
the amount that I know about radiation decay, and I, I guess I could understand the basic idea of it, that he had an experiment and had some math to fit to it, and then he had to make it work. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I, there was like one data point that didn't work, and then turns out that data point was wrong, and Feynman was right the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the moral of that story. <laughs> I think it was, don't trust... Yeah, do the don't, experiments don't yourself. Everything. Verify. Okay. Verify yeah. it, Zach, cryptographically. Verify the beta decay. <laughs> um, Zach is giving me a look, a little bit of a look. Yeah. Don't believe the man, Stephen. The man's the trying man. to keep the beta decay down or up, up by 9%, I think. I didn't really understand it. Yeah, there was, he's just throwing numbers around. We, whatever. It was a 16 at some point. I don't didn't know what that was about. At some point he said, there's 7% to his sister. And she cut him off and just said, up or down? Like, 7% of what? How did she know that from what he said? You know, just the sibling telepathy. <laughs> 13 times. Let's see, what was that about? Signing government documents. Oh, yeah. What do you think about that? I think it's a great plan. To just be entirely too stubborn to even accept money? Yeah, because he was in a place to do it. and Fair enough. But you're making a lot of people's lives more difficult. Because otherwise they would be making your life more difficult, Stephen. What happened to my happiness is the most important thing? I don't think that it did make him happier, though. Because for the price of one signature, he could have more money. And more money. I bet is... he got so much satisfaction about causing some panic okay, and some disarray yeah, in right. the big bureaucratic machine. Fair enough. You're right. <laughs> um, and honestly, I would too. <laughs> also fair. Uh, next one. Next chapter is "It Sounds Greek to Me." Another huh. two-page chapter. It's funny. The title's funny. And then we get into Feynman's art career. Yeah, which I did not know about. I did not either. At least, uh, okay. Uh, sorry to just like rip on Feynman all the time, but <laughs> come on, all of this is—it's a, a lot of this chapter feels like a thinly veiled attempt to not be creepy while looking at naked women. I actually didn't get that feeling from the chapter. I didn't at first, but when he started doing it in the topless bar. Even then, all right. I think the topless bar felt less creepy to me than the time he had a Caltech student for a nude model. Yeah, I didn't like that either. Uh, and I was actually going to ask you about that. Um, presumably, she's not his mm -hmm. student, right? Right. But he would have some influence over her teacher, presumably, because right. he's a very big name person. So what is the threshold where that is okay? In what circumstances, I guess? I think it's hard to say, which is not a real thing. You're not allowed to say that in court. Um, <laughs> this isn't court. So, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you either. And that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I think it's better that she probably wasn't in the same, probably even the same school department yeah. at the college. But I don't know. I think I don't see anything wrong with the topless bar. There's nothing explicitly wrong with it. Yeah. And what did you think about the end? Um, well, at the end, he was taking artists around to the different technology places. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, just that made me think of, I went to the Museum of Modern Art, but in Stockholm over the weekend. And they had one room that was technology art. And it was comprised of three things printed on a vector printer. One thing that I don't even remember, I think it was supposed to look like a PCB. And then a really long, like the, I don't know what it's called, but it's the the two really long strands of metal wire. And then there's a little beam of electricity that goes up between them. Oh yeah, I don't know what it's called either. But that it climbs up kind of in these triangular wire antenna things. And it was just a really long one of those. And that was the room of sounds technology about, art. Sounds pretty similar to what happened to Feynman. Yep. Uh, and then he, someone said to him, an artist said that he was never going to draw again after the show. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up being true. Why do you think that is? Because I think he got into drawing trying to prove something. Now that he's proved it, it's it's done? Yeah, he has other things he wants to do. He wants to go learn how to play the bongos. Or he already knows how to play the bongos, but he wants to learn something else. All right. Makes sense. On to the next chapter. Is electricity fire? To start off with, who, who thought Feynman was a good fit for the ethics of equality symposium? Uh, yeah. It's a good question. It's a really good question. <laughs> says something about the times i suppose um so zach Mm -hmm. is electricity fire no no but zach if you put electricity on something it could turn into fire right and then that's fire it's an electrical fire because it was started by electricity electricity is fire no do you think the led light bulb currently in your lamp is fire uh, I don't know enough about LED light bulbs to make that decision. I don't either. But what's your gut say, Stephen? My gut says no. Well, I guess, okay, so if we're defining fire as, like, the chemical process of burning, mm-hmm. I'm going to say no. Because it, from what I know about it, and I might be wrong because I haven't taken, like, even an introductory physics course yet. Your introductory physics course is going to be all ramps, no fire. Yeah. I'm sad to report. So I, I assume fire is like a 500 class or something. Uh, I think I'm I'm doing electricity next semester. Fire. Or not next semester, but next next physics class I take. So if electricity is fire, I'll learn it there. Okay. So that's a 200 level. Uh, anyway, the from what I know about fire, it's the it's the breaking it's the like it's the breaking of the chemical bonds that hold the molecules together. Mm-hmm. And that releases some energy in the form of heat and light. Mm-hmm. So, and one from what I know about light-emitting diodes is that they don't do that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, like, I think it is a chemical thing that's init- that is catalyzed by electricity. Catalyzed probably isn't the right word, and the chemist is going to yell at me. <laughs> but I don't think that it's the same chemical process that is fire. Like, I don't think anything's, like, breaking down. I think there's... You put electricity in something, and then it starts glowing. Right. I think that the traditional traditional incandescent is closer to fire, but still not fire. Right. I think probably some of the molecules are burning, 
because it, it glows hot. That's such an awful... Sorry, I don't like incandescent light bulbs because they're entirely too inefficient for me. <laughs> the, just think about it. Like, they they work by heating up a piece of wire until it starts glowing. Right. Like, just put a piece of metal in a fire, Zach. Wait for it to start glowing. It's a lot of energy. Okay. It's a lot of energy, and it takes a long time. So, like... Yeah, but it's a, it's a small mass of metal. I understand, but still, it, there's... I know for sure there are better ways because every other form of light bulb is more efficient than an incandescent light bulb. Okay, but we didn't have the basis of chemistry to figure out. I'm not saying it was a bad system at the time, but... Didn't they try, like, superheating beard hair or something before they tried wire? Probably. But still superheating. You're just getting it super duper hot. Like, that just inherently is wasted energy. Mm Mm-hmm. The sun, too, man. Just, like up there in the sky and it's making light go in all different directions even though we only need it right here on earth yeah that's actually i'm pretty sure the main reason for dyson spheres <laughs> is that uh dyson was real upset about the waste of energy that is the sun <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of energy it's a ton <laughs> several tons lots and lots of tons Okay, there are efforts as far as like the stuff that Feynman was talking about there and the stenographer said, hey, you are actually understandable and no one else is. Yeah. Um, there are efforts currently to make simple English reforms in the government, in the nice. U.S. government. Sounds and like a good I, idea. I just have a fascination with simple English because I think most things are expressed in more complicated words than they need to be. Say that again, but in simple English... Smart people try to sound smarter by using big words, which makes everyone else confused. I think I'm pushing it with confused, but... Which makes people who are less smart, less... No, everyone else works. Because you can be really smart still and just not smart in physics. And the physics jargon makes it hard to follow. Everyone else... Here's the thing. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that we have all these nice pretty words right and and most people know the definition of confused but there are buzzwords like Feynman was saying where you can just talk in circles and not actually explain yourself mm-hmm. but use a lot of words to do it also by Feynman's logic which was like in 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 the later discussion of we should just share all of our stuff. And he was like, that's a terrible idea. Sharing things. Who wants to do that? Communists? Um, and then he said, really, the important thing is the power to make stuff. But then he never said, so we should share the power to make stuff. He just said, it's important to have the power to make stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't entirely disagree with him on that point because there isn't like this education juice that we take from third world countries. Mm hmm. But yeah, he didn't offer a solution, and you're right. Yeah, I was going to say, don't you think that we should still share the stuff that we have? Not because we stole it from some other country, but because we have more than another country. This is too much like politics, so let's move on. All right. <laughs> and we're moving on into education policy. Yeah. This I have an opinion on. Me too. Because we are the victims of these policies. And yes, I do say, call them call us victims. Yeah. Because blood's not blue. <laughs> yep. 
so we grew up with books like that like if this green star is this many degrees and just like completely unnecessary examples then just mm-hmm. you know that's the his main issue with it is that they just didn't make any sense even though they probably got the point across so what is an addition example that you can think of that does make sense well i mean i actually i think i had had it pretty good my first grade teacher used money a lot yeah money is a really good way to do addition because it's something that we have to add a lot Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think money is a good example or just numbers you don't necessarily need to put an example on them that's not what Feynman was saying in there i know but that's what i'm saying Math is cool. I think on its own. for you, who is going to be a math major, that is true. But for a lot of people, there needs to be some way to connect to the numbers as more than just abstract numbers. See, I think people think that because they were taught by they were taught by word you, problems. Word problems, yeah. I think that if you were brought up from a young age thinking about numbers as their own thing that happen to be applied to the real world, sometimes then it i I don't have any evidence to back this up because no one would ever actually support this kind of education yeah because everybody learned from word problems so why am i gonna let my kids learn from something that i didn't because you're bad at math grandpa (laughs) (laughs) from what i hear your grandfather is fairly adept with math no my grandfather is very good at math he's yeah Uh, opsec um have you uh, okay so the the equivalent my point was here that since we grew up with these kind of books uh-huh how do you, the our equivalent would be the new common core stuff yep have you experienced any of that i don't think so maybe what what would it have looked like if i did um the one i like to use is the uh the stick laying uh version of multiplication what I'm going to send you a diagram. Because it's always like Tom Lehrer has a song about, oh, all this new math stuff. And that is how I learned math is Tom Lehrer's new math. Oh, this is all so incomprehensible. But it does make sense to me the way that I learned math. But let's look at Common Core. Let's be some curmudgeons. Multiply the numbers by the arrangement of digits and carry the numbers such as... Why slack? I don't care. Hmm... Okay, so I have some friends who are teachers or no teachers. Okay. And this method of multiplication, uh, you okay, so do you want to try to explain it for our audio listeners that aren't going to look at the show notes? First, let me try to comprehend it. Okay. In example two, where does the three come from? Okay, so that's tens multiplied by ones. That's ones multiplied by tens. That's tens multiplied by tens, and that's ones multiplied by ones. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing, just with pictures. Okay, I, I will actually explain it now, now okay. that I can kind of follow it. Um, so basically, uh, you so the example they give is four times three. So you take four sticks and lay them one way, and then at an angle to that, you lay three more sticks, and then you count the number of intersections. So for example, there are 12 intersections between four sticks and three sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you have more places... You separate those, so like uh, 16 sticks would be one stick, and then a big space, and then six sticks. And then if you multiplied that by eight sticks, then you would put the one stick times the eight in the tens place already, and you would put the eight times the six in the ones place and then carry it over. 
Okay, so I'm looking at the diagram and I could not follow you. That's a problem, first of all. I mean, I invented the 8 times Still, 16. I, I can see the sticks and I can imagine moving them around. Okay, so here's this my problem. This actually makes sense to me. It, it does make sense, but you know something that the people learning this do not, which is the the reason that multiplication works. So anyone who's taken a bit of algebra knows the quadratic knows that quadratics can be broken up into factors, right? Mm-hmm. And when you multiply those together, we're that's uh, okay. So I'm trying to get it as foil the the firsts, the outer, inner, last. Right. What what you're doing when you multiply two numbers is breaking them up into. So if it's 16 times 24, like they give in the example here, you mm. would be breaking that up into 10 plus 6. Times. Times. 2 uh, plus, or 20 plus 4. Yeah. And that gives you 384 by that FOIL method. And that's what you're doing when you multiply it the the quote-unquote normal way, which is like the, mm. the putting them vertically and then going down. Yeah. Then adding the two results. Uh, so I guess my point is... Yeah, this works. This multiplication method, the stick laying method, but it's but it's a nifty trick that works because of how math actually works, and not a fundamental way to understand it. Yes, and and it'd be fine if the kids were being taught why it works as well. Yeah, but I don't think they are. Okay, no, I I said this was fine in the context of, and here's the ones place, and here's the tens place. Yeah, no, I think. My teacher friends and my fr- my t- friends who know teachers have told me that it's a just lot of the teachers, memorization yeah, of the teachers you... don't necessarily even know why this works either. And that they are looking at this and they're thinking, oh, it's a nifty trick and my kids can learn multiplication. They don't so that and totally in the future when they need to multiply something, they're just going to draw a bunch of sticks. <laughs> yeah. Which is not good. Like, I, I think this is a cool way to teach people about the fundamental reasons why mm. math works. This is multiplication that's... day one. And then day two, you say, remember that thing we did with the sticks yesterday? Here's why. Yeah. Or here's how to do it with just numbers. Because you're going to need to be able to do that if you're going to do anything with math. You can't just be laying sticks across each other. Yeah. Anyway, that's my, that's my rant for today one of my many rants of today (laughs) no i agree i think because i have some professors that are really really good at putting things into not necessarily plain english because they're still talking to college students but putting Mm -hmm. them into easy concepts and relating them to a few things Mm -hmm. in the same unit and that kind of thing and i think that that's important and i think that they have much more place to be writing textbooks than pearson or uh hammer mcmillian yeah i don't think those people are stupid or anything but they don't seem to want to also though steven you and i have never actually encountered teaching third graders you're right how to multiply things you're correct you're entirely correct that i have no idea how difficult that is so i think before you become a professor you should spend a year as a first grade or a third grade teacher and just really focus on math for third grade and then leave and be like well that was a terrible experience and i'm going to be a professor for the rest of my life i just i wish that 
I had a, a apparently un, semi-unique experience with math because uh, the only people I know who have had a similar experiences also just adore math, which in... is that in, in elementary school when we were learning math, I when they told us like six plus one is seven, seven plus one is eight, mm-hmm. I started to see the little like oh, and six or then eight minus two is is six because. 8 minus 1 minus 1 is 6, and uh, 1 plus 1 is 2. Mm-hmm. Like, those little relationships. And those little relationships, like the when I was taught the FOIL method, no one ever said, this is just normal multiplication. It was always a special trick for algebra. Yeah. But through those connections that you see when you are, you know, looking for them. Mm-hmm. And I actually never put together that FOIL thing. It makes sense. Yeah, like I wasn't. That's what I'm saying. Like you're smart, you're good at math, but you still never saw that because, like, why would you? You never. You, it was never taught to you, and you never really mm-hmm. needed it. I've definitely seen people, like in eighth grade and in high school, just something clicks when they start thinking about everything in terms of the number line. Yeah, and not as in... which feels like such an elementary concept, and not in the temperatures of stars and stuff like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's definitely not the point of this chapter, but that's what I got out it of is. it. The, the point is that textbooks aren't great. But I think they're not great for different reasons than what Feynman said. Because I've never had a textbook tell me explicitly false information, I don't think. I also don't think... Like, Did we have textbooks in fourth grade, or did the teacher just get up in front of us and give out workbooks? No, I... Well... And lecture. We had books in... Well, I, I had books in first through third grade, and then four through eight. No, four through, like, six. Mm-hmm. We didn't. We just had, like, worksheets and stuff. Yeah. And then I think seventh grade up, we had textbooks. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember in fourth grade, we just had, like, drill workbooks that we had to do. Mm-hmm. All right, that's the rest, rest of my notes. Yeah, mine too. Great. So for next week, we will be finishing the book, Mm -hmm. starting with page 303, Alfred Nobel's Other Mistake. Until then, you can subscribe on whatever you subscribe on and follow me on Twitter or reach out to me on Twitter. Either of those are an option for you. I'm at the puns guy. Or block him on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, no one's stopping you. I'm at not Stephen Barry. Don't block me. (laughs) steven's stopping you there yeah he's gonna send a cryptographically secured hitman (laughs) he's gonna be digitally signed by steven yeah the bullet just has a little engraving with the pgp key on it (laughs) so don't block steven on twitter is what we're trying to get across god i really hope no one gets killed with a bullet engraved with my pgp key that'd be so awkward it'd be real incriminating evidence it'd be really incriminating because, like, I'm, it's supposed to be I'm the only one who knows that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in a fortnight. Goodbye. Goodbye.